What is up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever Four for Formula One podcast. If you've been following Four for Four, you know we specialize in fantasy football, but uh, DraftKings just released formula one on their platform so uh we got into it it's a new sport and i, I think it'll be really fun we'll, we'll get into some of uh, the specifics uh really quick uh for you that for you that don't know me i'm tg hernandez the director of dfs at 444.com with my co-host today dan weiner dan is the senior producer at betsperts betsperts is the parent company of 444 dan uh introduce yourself a little bit how you doing I'm good, man. Uh, this is fun. Yeah, I've been at a BetSports for almost a year now, and I came on as a producer um, behind the scenes, mostly uh, the deep dive, brown bag bets, any of the shows that you see there. If you follow our social media, any of the graphics that you see us put up, I'm usually in charge of that. If you watch the deep dive or any of our programming over there, you probably heard them refer to producer Dan. That's me. Uh, I'm just a Formula One fan for the last few years. I'm like most Americans. I started watching Drive to Survive during the pandemic. Yeah, and super got into Formula One for the last couple of years, and I've just kind of grown and grown and grown. And TJ dropped uh, just in one of our Slack channels at work that uh, DraftKings has Formula One now, and that kind of morphed into an extremely intense DFS conversation between a few of us. And last night it was like, why don't we just do a show? And here we are today. Yeah, um, I mean, like like you said, my my background in Formula One is is very limited, obviously, just like you, like uh, probably most. Uh, american fans got into it because of the netflix series started watching it a lot um last year unfortunately being in california we don't have any california facing um legal betting right now uh so i i wasn't able to to put money on it last year when DraftKings launched their product, I just it, it seems like, one, it's just a great opportunity because it's a brand new sport. Anytime there's a brand new sport, there's going to be no projections or bad projections, no tools. Um, so it, it's the reason I've always been really hesitant to get into other sports besides football is because, one, everybody's just any sport that's popular, everybody's already good at. Um, it's a huge learning curve. Um, with this, it's brand new. Most people don't even follow F1 yet in, in the United States, even though, like, you know, Drive to Survive is so popular. And then our small group at 4 for 4 and Bets group, uh, BetsBirds, like you said, um, we just got really into it. We started, you know, kind of planning whatever strategy we could. We only had about a week turnover time after the game launched. And, and then by Sunday, it seemed like we... I mean, obviously it's new, but relative to the crowd had a pretty good grasp on what's going on. So we figured why not get out ahead of this thing and, uh, you know, let's see, let's see if some people are interested. So, I mean, be, besides, um, F1 and, and the Netflix, do you have, do you have any other background with, um, uh, betting DFS racing at all NASCAR or anything like that? Just as a fan, um, I've, I've watched NASCAR, believe it or not. So I grew up in the South, I grew up in Atlanta, but I didn't start watching NASCAR until I moved to Connecticut and watched the Daytona 500 one year with a buddy who was super into NASCAR. And so I followed NASCAR off and on. And then Formula One probably came to the States. ESPN got it probably four or five years ago. Yeah. So, and it just kind of grew. And one of the funny things is like my, my sports college football, that's what I do mostly if I'm, if I'm doing betting, all that kind of stuff. And college football, Twitter is super into Formula One right now, yeah, largely definitely. because it happens on Sunday and you see some people who cross over between college and the NFL, but like not everyone. So if those races bleed into the start of NFL coverage, you have college football. Twitter doesn't really care all that much. So that's kind of that's kind of where it came from. But uh, yeah, I mean, college football is probably what I would say is where I kind of my expertise is when it comes to betting. And it's just kind of been a fan of motor racing for a few years. And now that Formula One's here and 
pretty simple. Like NASCAR, I like NASCAR, but sometimes those races are just super long and not a whole lot will happen. This year's been a little different, but Formula One, it's a couple hours. You're in and out. It's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, that NASCAR has actually been one of the, um, I mean, more, I don't know, more popular niche is kind of an uh, oxymoron, but one of the niche sports <clears throat> that has a pretty good DFS following. following. Um, I don't know anything about it from my very brief understanding is that, at least on DraftKings, um, the, the scoring systems are, are very different. Um, so it, again, that even if people have played NASCAR, I, I think um, hopping into F1, uh, everybody's kind of starting completely from scratch. I mean, as somebody that uh, obviously it's only been one one uh, day we've ever had F1 DFS, um, but you know, there's been betting, but like, what, what would you tell somebody that has never watched F1 and that's thinking about getting into either DFS or, or, or betting? Like what, what are the advantages or, or reasons you like it as a, um, as a betting uh, game? I, I, to me, it's the simplicity of it. I think I wish like, I wish that the books offered more. I, I don't, I don't do a lot of, I don't do offshore betting. Like my, I'm in, like I said, I'm in Connecticut. We got legal betting this fall. It just kind of was a thing where I started doing it this fall once we got it legally. And then I work with a lot of guys who are super into betting. And so I'm kind of into gambling more theoretically than I am in practice. Like I bet on sports, but like, I'm the kind of guy who's like, Oh, I like, I'm super into the golf betting that we're doing right now because big, big long shots. If you hit one, it feels good, whatever. But it's it's just the simplicity of it. Like you said, it's it's a one-time event. You're not having to grind every day on lineups and pitching matchups and you know, NBA guys, this guy's out this week, this guy's not. It's kind of like golf and it's kind of like football in that essence, too. I think, in that it's, you know, you have to keep your eye on certain things, but you have one matchup. We have like coming up this week, we have Saudi Arabia, and we can dig in on Saudi Arabia and we can pay attention to what's going on, but we can probably spend a full day researching the track who did well here last year. I mean, when we get to the preview show later uh, in the week, the kind of the differences and whatever, but you kind of can just grind on it and it's just one event and you move on. Um, and then there's like a lot of quick betting, like first lap leader, these kinds of things. I wish some of the offshore books do uh, matchups, a driver map, more driver matchups. I think the only one yesterday that I found on DraftKings was like the, was like either the Williams or the Aston Martin drivers. Like it wasn't a, a great matchup. There were, they did groups, of drivers, like I kind of wish I had screenshotted and gone back and seen where there would have been value in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's some interesting there, there. We'll get into this a little bit more when we get down, down to the betting portion. Um, I mean, even though I, I can't bet on it, I definitely browse what's available. Um, there, there's some interesting props like number of drivers that, drivers that will finish the race. I, I think things like that. Um, there's probably a small edge in those. And, and even though, um, early on, uh, the, these books might not offer a ton of games and DFS too, there, there was only, you know, there, there was only a couple tournaments with a price, believe in above $10,000. Um, but that, that's kind of a good thing. Um, one, because those smaller prize pools are going to keep a lot of the sharks away, at least for now. And when there isn't a lot of betting lines offered, um, that, that generally means that the books aren't paying super close attention to the sport, which means there's probably going to be some really exploitable lines in the sport, which is a good thing. And, and that's kind of why I, I'm very interested because we got a brand new game, even though it's been around betting, still pretty small, brand new DFS, which is usually a bigger edge. Nobody really has, there, there's a couple sites that already have projections and, and tools up for it, but they're just going to be bad. And I don't even know if there's really, um, if you're not building 150 lineups in DFS, I, I don't know if you should even really be 
using a bad projection system at this point. I, th I think you could learn the game um, without a tool, which for every other sport is almost impossible. Um, it, like you said, it's a really fun and, and quick sweat. Um, the race started at 8 a.m. Pacific time. It's over by 9.45. Um, you still have your whole day. You're not sitting there. Even football and golf, I mean, it's fun, but it's an all-day commitment. You don't have your results till the end of the day. And, and I actually do think that as popular as F1 is getting in the U.S., I do think it will, the, the time constrictions because of how early a lot of races starts will keep a fair amount of people out just because, you know, uh, some people aren't going to get up at, at 4.30 a.m. to watch a, a race that starts at 5 on the West Coast. But the counter to that and why I like this again is we don't, we can't really build lineups in DFS until qualifying is over because that's when we have all the information. So you really only have a, a an 18 hour period to build lineups, but unlike, you know, NFL, even golf, sometimes to an extreme uh, point basketball, there isn't going to be injury news. Um, there's not going to be a lot that changes from the end of qualifying to morning. So if you want to make lineup Saturday night, sleep in, watch the recorder race for the most part, you're probably going to be okay, which you can't really say with any other sport. There will be things that come up if, if somebody has a gearbox issue doing during qualifying you'll have to keep an eye on that but you could probably get away with with being a little lazy on the day of which um can can kind of counter that um that worry about those early races um it's just a really small time investment the there's always only going to be 20 drivers and 10 constructor teams the player pool is super small football the player pool is it feels infinite every other sport golf even you know 60 70 golfers to choose from that's 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 tough um there's there's 30 uh 30 options to pick from 20 drivers 10 constructor and you know if, if one driver's out it's just that much um that much smaller a lot of the the sharp players are are grinding things like golf right now um it's like almost the perfect bridge between football season. F1 is, um, you know, started last week, goes through November. Um, so yeah, there, there's lots of, of fun reasons to join. Um, even if we, you haven't watched F1 um, or, or just getting into it, like, what are some like really basic things that we know about F1 in your opinion that, that are, um, that, that can help you like, you know, build somewhat intelligently. Well, I mean, I think the thing that you have to remember, think about first and foremost is, the there's a very clear hierarchy of who's good and who's not with the caveat being some of it seems to have flipped so far or just through one race right now but generally speaking you know that red bull and mercedes are going to be good max verstappen lewis hamilton are going to be good we'll get deeper into it when we get into this race it looks now like ferrari is possibly regaining their mantle as the the team to beat in formula one um, but, you know, Ferrari and McLaren the last couple of years where it's a step down from them. So it's pretty easy to tear out over the course of the year who's good, who's not. And, you know, we'll see how the pricing ends up going when it comes to DFS. Uh, it, it wasn't great. Like they they clearly weren't on top of everything this week. And it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust now that they have a race full of data to kind of make. Uh, some of the adjustments that they're going to need to the prices to make to make you have to make some difficult decisions with your lineups. But I think the thing that you can kind of launch into is you know that there are going to be teams who are good and there are going to be teams who are not. You're probably not going to want to rely on a Williams driver. Yeah. Right now, Aston Martin and McLaren are kind of a mess. Now, McLaren, we've seen do well in the past few years, so maybe they'll get better. 
you also kind of have to pay attention that sometimes these cars are the cars will get better. The teams get more data on their own car and will improve them over time. Mercedes car isn't going to be clearly the third best team all season. They are going to challenge the other two teams. I mean, as an American, I'm, I'd like to see Haas do well. I don't think you're going to see Haas perform at the level they performed this week all year. So you can kind of tear it out in that regard. And the, the, the data kind of gets pretty easy. You have three practice sessions. You have two practice sessions on Friday. You have a practice session on Saturday morning and then three qualifying sessions on Saturday. The, the data is readily available. You can go get it on the Formula One website. You can find people who are out there doing lap by lap information out there. So it's it's easily available data. And I think you kind of have a good sense of it's not like football where there's going to be a week where some running back you're not expecting is just going to have a great right. week. Yeah. Or, you know, some quarterback X just just so happened to torch a really good defense or Patrick Mahomes happened to have a really bad week against a bad defense. Yeah. Unless there's rain in Formula One, as the season progresses, the, the, the tier kind of it kind of establishes itself and that kind of gives you something to work off of. Yeah. For for people that um aren't familiar with Formula One. Um, this is this is extra exciting that DraftKings launched this year um, for people that want to get into a new sport for gambling or daily fantasy because they did a massive overhaul to their um, what their cars this year. That every car is basically rebuilt from scratch. They they had um, they they changed their. Uh, modifications and what's allowed uh, dramatically. The last time they did that was 2014. So really everybody is starting from scratch and that's why this season is really exciting. But Formula One is a very top heavy money driven sport. The teams that have the most money are typically going to be the best racing teams. Um, and, and there's no there, there's no cap to that. Uh, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, they just have the most money and there's nothing the other teams could do about it. And often the teams at, at, at the bottom um, by the by the end of the year, they they can't even afford to be in Formula One anymore. They have, they have to merge. So um, we we have a pretty good idea in general how, how that's going to play out. But with this new season, those bottom tier teams, those mid level teams, there's probably going to be some shakeup over the four, first few races, um, and, and we get to uh, experience that in real time with, with the new DFS sport. So that's that's why it's really exciting, and we'll get into it later. Like just because the, those Williams, um, Austin Martin teams aren't McLaren teams aren't doing well because of daily fantasy and hopefully if they get some more like matchup type type bets up um it, it gives us a reason to pay attention to those teams and those drivers which is really exciting because if if you just watch the sport as a brand new fan especially like last year you might be like it's lewis and max every time what's the point of this um it really lets us watch driver one through driver 20 which is going to be really um really exciting so we'll get into some dfs embedding specifics but let's just talk some some real world racing real quick again neither of us uh uh say that we're f1 experts but uh you know just from us talking over the last couple of weeks you are you do have a pretty good pulse on what's going on in in the practices who's been fast um really in practice um all preseason what stood out to you um, uh, in this first real race? Um, practice qualifying, um, the race in general. Uh, again, everything's brand new this year. So, so what popped to you? Yeah, I mean, I think you you start with for those who are brand brand new to this. The teams do two testing weekends before the first weekend of the race. So they go to Barcelona, they test their car on the track. Then, then they went to Bahrain, which is where the first race was. They do some testing there, and then you get to race weekend. 
And there's some gamesmanship is usually played. Like not everything is created equal. Like some teams, like so Haas, for example, if you've been following the news at all, you know that you might know that they lost their title sponsor, Ural Kali, because of the connection to Russia. And uh, their driver, Nikita Mazepin, his dad, what is a Russian oligarch. And so they cut ties with him. So they came out full speed ahead when they were able to get on the track and testing, whereas other teams, because they needed to, to maybe attract sponsors, whereas other teams kind of play it safe. They're working on some things. They're doing some different things. And Mercedes, the big story was Mercedes was really bad in testing. But Mercedes sandbags year in and year out, like it's a running joke in Formula One that, oh, it's just Mercedes sandbagging. So when we got to qual, when we got to practice and testing and then the race itself, I think that's the biggest thing is like Mercedes is not sandbagging. Their car is not there yet. It's just not as fast. They have issues with some of the, the what they're calling the porpoising, where the suspension is bouncing up and down on the track, which causes them to lose speed. They're just not as fast as the top two groups. Uh, talked about Haas, uh, the the way that that car has looked so far uh, has been spectacular. I mean, for them to get a P5 or finish in fifth place, if you're also if you're new to the sport, P and then the place, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is how they refer to it. Yeah, so, we don't say third place. In we don't say third place, they say P3. So P5, fifth place, Kevin Magnussen's a great result for them. So uh, that was interesting to see. And then Ferrari, again, we talk about, you know, as a University of Texas graduate, we say Texas is back is a running joke. It looks like Ferrari is back, like from testing, from both sessions of testing to practice, to qualifying, to the race itself. They had what probably a flawless couple of, I mean, it's about a month because testing starts at the beginning of March. Like it was basically flawless for them. And that's going to make everything that we're talking about way more interesting as we go forward, because you have now three teams that you're going to have to deal with and try to figure out, okay, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, are those teams going to be the teams that, we have to figure out, okay, do we pick, which one do we pick as a constructor? Which one do you pick as your captain? And the answer is going to be, you probably should sprinkle it and come up with lineups that, that mix and match that, but it will create a little bit more variance than it would in the past when you would just have the two dominant teams. Uh, Other than that, I mean, McLaren struggles. It it was a mess for them. Daniel Ricardo tested positive for COVID. And so he missed the, the Bahrain testing session and never really got up to speed and yet still beat Lando Norris in the race, which <laughs> yeah. was super yeah. surprising result there, I thought. And I mean, that's kind of kind of where it is. Alfa Romeo. So the, the, the Ferrari engine struggled the last few years, but Ferrari, obviously uh, Alfa Romeo and Haas are all running that Ferrari engine and all had really great weekends uh, Alfa Romeo ended up getting points for both drivers. Valtteri yeah, Bottas, Bottas had a terrible start to the race, but worked his way back. And then Zhou Guan Yu, the first ever Chinese Formula One driver in his debut race, ends up getting points. And I mean, even Mick Schumacher, I think, finished 11th. Yeah, Mick Schumacher finished one spot out of the points. Now, of course, there's the the overarching Red Bull losing both drivers. But even if even if if Joe finishes 12th and Schumacher 13th, like those are encouraging results. So it's just kind of like the midfield might be flipped. And then the thing that I think is the funniest is just Alpine is just floating along there. The fifth best team. They're not nearly ever going to break into the top four, but they're probably not going to be as bad as the rest. They're just there. But that was kind of what stood out to me. Yeah. And, and for, for our purposes, especially DFS wise, I think those are going to be the really exciting teams for us. Those Alpine type teams where they're always going to be in the mix for points. Um, those are going to be some of our biggest decision points all year. Uh, 
I mean, you, the joke about Lewis, I mean, even if you've watched, you've watched races in the past, not even this year, um, even mid race, Lewis Hamilton's always complaining about his tires and then smokes the field or something. So, uh, yeah, we were even, even through practice, them being slow, we, we didn't know how real it was. Um, you know, obviously they don't qualify in the top four, uh, and in, in any DFS sport or, or fantasy sport, the, the film versus data bros will always have their arguments. Like the, the, the one thing about watching the races is if you did watch the race, sure. Lewis and, and, and George Russell finished three, four, um, Red Bull doesn't finish the race, but what I, I think the takeaway was Mercedes was just not on the pace at all of the top two teams. And they made like a huge pit error at the beginning, putting Lewis on hard tires. He was the first one to pit that proved to be an error, like really fast. It was an obvious error. Um, so, they're going to figure things out. I actually think it's probably for, for gamblers and for DFS players, probably going to be an, an edge. If you get out ahead of when Mercedes gets it together, like, you know, you might get there early and, and, and miss, you know, lose a couple of bucks on it. But if you're the first one on it, it's going to be very possible when it hits. And I think eventually, um, they will get there. Um, McLaren being horrible was, uh, th there was some precedent in, in the practices, you know, they, they weren't, um, pushing very well, but they were competing so much with Ferrari for that three, four spot in constructors last season that, you know, it, they, they were a team that had aspirations to be fighting for that. Again, they have a lot of work to do. And then, um, the big thing that was supposed to happen this year with the, the remodel of the cars is overtaking supposed to be easier. Um, we saw it with, uh, with Leclerc and Verstappen up front. They had some great battles going on for, for quite a few laps. Um, and then we saw quite a few drivers move up a, a lot of grid spots. Obviously three, three drivers have to retire their cars. Um, but Botas has that horrible start star from six gets all the way back to six. Um, we saw his teammate, I think he moved up five, uh, five, five grid spots, six grid spots. Um, we saw Yuki Sonoda. He, uh, he moved up, I believe six grid spots. I, I think, um, I think Schumacher even moved up four or five grid spots. So, you know, we are seeing these, we are seeing racers can start bad and, and finish decent, which we just didn't see last year. Um, and, and that's kind of why we call this like a lower variant sport. If it's a track that isn't going to have a lot of crashes or there isn't weather, um, just in in the past we've seen if you get off that that starting uh grid good and you don't make pit errors it's going to be hard to, to catch this hopefully we'll see uh we will see some more overtaking this year um but yeah it, it's exciting let's let's get into some the exciting stuff um we're not going to have this this full breakdown every week uh, but you know we wanted to give you guys some background on what's going on since it's the first one uh let's get into uh the dfs recap before we get into it if you don't mind throwing up just a screenshot um of the points breakdown and and you can't see it here it's pretty small but um basically 25 points uh to first place and in, uh, in the constructors and and the driver scoring um tears down to 10th place and then there's a couple other small points for laps led um you know which teammate is going to win which is a, something we'll get we'll get into a lot and then improving or losing grid position so um i mean correct me if i'm wrong but really what we're going to be looking at a lot and why i think nuanced projection models at least early on or at least this season probably aren't going to really grasp um a ton is because we're gonna be able to look at the teams that are good look at the grid positions um and should pretty easily be able to project where they land on this scoring scale. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think you can kind of figure, okay, well, the top two teams, like right now, I mean, going into Saudi Arabia, 
you would have to assume that Red Bull and, and Ferrari are still fighting out for those top four spots. So, okay, you can kind of figure out uh, what's going to happen there. I don't know if the la the laps led, as you, it's like a tenth of a point per lap led. I don't know how much that's going to be a boost to anybody unless you end up with a situation where one driver just leads the whole race and they get five or more points for that. And then you can kind of figure, but a lot of it too, it's going to be kind of hard to figure. Like you can't really project if a driver is going to, unless someone qualifies, like unless a car that you're not expecting to be very good qualifies well, like maybe there's a fade there that they might yeah, not that makes sense. do well and then fall down the the pecking order. But yeah, I mean, I think to, to, to let everyone in on our the group chat, like, and it's, I think it may be a jumping off point is, you know, a, a lot of the discussion was over. Okay. Is it the plus five for beating your own teammate or is it trying to figure out what, like where a driver is going to finish in the standings? Like what, what is the appropriate way to attack that? And at least in my opinion, until the Red Bull cars crapped out at the end of the race, it really did seem like stacking constructor and captain and then trying to find those what appeared to be pretty dead set. This guy is going to beat his teammate seemed to be the way to go until it wasn't. But, you know, when you get to a track like Saudi Arabia coming up this weekend or where there's races where you might have variants, maybe it's not the right strategy. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, so let's let's actually get into that um, because we were going, again, completely from scratch. So let's kind of cover what we thought was going to work, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look back at, at, at what um, definitely did work. So the 25 points for a win, um, when you look at, at the the um, the tier of, of scoring all the way down, like it's not a huge number over the field when what is it 20 then down to 18 for third I, th I think um like you can if if a if a driver beats his teammate and he gets five points that's 20 percent of the winning score that, that's like relatively a lot of points so we were kind of trying to figure out how are you going to maximize your ceiling on a lineup for for those that don't know we should we should clarify um the dfs lineup is one captain position where you get 1.5 times your points and it's 1.5 times the salary four driver positions and one constructor so you have six six um five drivers and one constructor one team in, in your lineup um and, and obviously you have to fit under the fifty thousand dollars um draft kings cap but that ability to the reason we we thought it would be optimal to stack your captain with your constructor is because if they win what you're chasing with your captain your biggest ceiling is going to come from getting the winning points a lot of times that winner is going to get some laps led points he's going to get his team winning his beating his teammate five more points multiply that times one and a half and if you pay for a good constructor and both uh teammates finish high your point multiplier, the upside of that is just astronomical. Um, you're just not going to be able to get that, even though you'll save salary, like paying for a Haas in your captain spot or your constructor spot, the upside with points just isn't going to be there. So I think early on, it was pretty clear to us that we wanted to be stacking those two for maximum upside. There were some team, like some salary constraints where like, I had some lineups where I played Leclerc and my captain, Max as my driver, and I couldn't afford, or, or opposite actually, like Max is my captain, Leclerc is my driver, and couldn't afford the Red Bull constructor, but you still throw in your, your Ferrari um, uh, constructor. One thing we did talk about is not stacking 
two drivers together. Now you can't stack two drivers with your constructor, but you can play teammates. And the reason we said we didn't want to do that is because you get five points for beating your teammate. That's a lot of points in this format. Um, so if you're playing, say, two cheap guys and their teammates, you just have no upside with them. Unless somehow they both finish top 10, which if they're starting the back of the grid or they're cheap is almost impossible. Um, you want those five points. And, and that's why we, we thought it wouldn't be a, a good idea to play teammates together. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think that was my thinking the whole way through was, and the other thing is, and it ended up being the case, and we're not going to see this going forward because they'll adjust the prices. It ended up working out that there were there were some, assuming that the Red Bull was going to not lose, like they 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 didn't quite have the projections right, which is totally understandable. It's the first race of the season because there was a cheat code where you could put in Leclerc as your captain. Max as your driver and Ferrari as your constructor and still pick three guys from different teams. Yeah. Now, Ferrari think, was just grossly mispriced. Yes. And I think, and, and but so, I mean, so was Magnuson. So was Botas. Like they probably should have been ahead of the, like they, the prices for the Haas cars and the Alfa Romeos should have been flipped with McLaren and Aston Martin. There's no way to know that the Alfa, the Alfa Romeos did not do well at all in testing and really in practice. Uh, and then Botas was really good in qualifying, but that's kind of been the story his whole career. Their performance was surprising. We saw some of like inklings that maybe Haas was going to be good. So you were able to put together a lineup that would have been optimal if, if Verstappen had finished second, where you could have had all of your drivers could have been, you wouldn't have had to stack anybody from an individual team or from you wouldn't have had two drivers from the same team. Right. And, and I think that's why going into, um, and I'll talk about salary and ownership um, together here, because I, I think we did do like in what we thought was uh, s some pretty um, intense research on, on what was available to us. It seemed like those values, um, the Magnuson, the Botas, um, even like Albon, because he, he was driving so much better um, than, than, than Latifi. Like, they seemed like obvious cheap plays. It seemed obvious that you wanted to get some combo of Ferrari and, and Red Bull, especially after we saw qualifying. We saw Botas finish six and Mercedes just be so much slower than the other two. But it's a new sport. We have no, we had data on the drivers. We have data on, on their practices. We have no data on how the field is going to react to these things if they're going to value it properly. Um, so that lineup build to us seemed relatively obvious. Um, we wanted to target those those low salary players of the high grid position, which is where I think va us value will come from all season because salaries uh, are going to come out before qualifying, which is go that's where a lot of value is going to come from. The only thing that I, I really thought of outside of of individual salary was. Can you make some lineups where you're leaving a lot of salary on the table in hopes of not having a duplicated lineup? There just really wasn't a way to do it this week with, you know, if, if you were playing Ferrari and Red Bull, you just couldn't really leave more than $1,500 on the table, which I think is going to be the, the case for the most part. And then from ownership, it was, it was really a guess game. You don't know what the hell people are going to do um, if they're going to value it properly. So I came up with like a, a, a loose, ownership projection just with that we used internally that basically was just solving the math problem um it wasn't super accurate but that like how we tiered it out it, it kind of did um play out so is, is there anything before we get into what actually showed up in winning lineups anything else that like you that stood out to you in our initial research um you know before we had the results 
Not really. I mean, I think we were kind of spot on with where we were. And I mean, I think just kind of going forward, you're going to see the Ferrari prices from last week and the Mercedes prices from last week flipped. I think Red Bull will probably be, or you might see actually, because because I think Mercedes might have still been the number one constructor. They were still the most expensive. Mercedes was the most expensive. Yeah. Lewis was the most expensive. Okay. Um, yep. So yeah, I think you're going to see Ferrari and Mercedes flip. And then that's going to create some headaches going forward, trying to build a lineup. But, you know, it, it just kind of ended up being a thing that you couldn't project. Like if you think that like a, a Williams car might break down during the race, like that's a reasonable thing to expect to see both Red Bulls suffer power issues in the first race. Wasn't something that you could expect. So I think it kind of went the way we would have expected it to go. And now it's going to be interesting to see how, they adjust just generally a question real quick for you. And I know this is a new sport and I don't know, like comparatively to NFL, like when do you think the, the prices will come out week to week for the next race? Yeah, I don't know. So we're recording this Monday afternoon. They, they posted the race. Um, uh, you know, Oh, I'm sorry. The, the contest almost immediately. Um, there's only two contests in the lobby right now, um, but they don't have salaries up yet. NFL typically uh if it's you know everything wraps up on sunday they typically had uh nfl salaries up by monday afternoon um but we have so much information early in the week that isn't going to necessarily change um that you you can still get pretty sharp pricing and, and over the last two years one thing DraftKings has done really well at least in nfl that's the only sport i play um they have uh priced very sharply so so it has been a, a really big struggle to to build good lineups um i don't know how late they will wait in the week i can't imagine that they will wait until after qualifying to release salaries that just doesn't give people a lot of time um maybe they will if they do that would be really interesting um i it's it's a brand new sport i'm guessing they the reason salaries aren't out right now is because they're probably tweaking the algorithm a little bit um there, there's probably just some stuff that they don't have automated in there like i said as far as i know the scoring does not mirror nascar scoring so they're they're probably changing a lot of stuff by hand as we speak um so when are salaries going to drop i don't know i i think you know um you know, I think it would be really fun if they drop like Thursday or Friday and, and, and then um, we get to see those values come out of qualifying. But that might also make it easier for, for the inexperienced players. Um, I can't imagine just knowing how DraftKings works, how they like to have their contests filled. I think not having salaries before qualifying might discourage people to sign up for the contests. Um, so I would, I, th I would think at least all season, especially because they started it this way in week one, the fact that it came out before qualifying, I, I just haven't seen DraftKings, you know, mid season for a sport make a change to well they were, they were do it after, but who knows? I mean, we could be completely wrong. Um, but, but I, I would, I would think it'll, they'll start coming up by like Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we'll see though. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's where you're also going to have to be really diligent and, and then like start kind of planning some things out because, you know, you're going to know the salaries and you're going to have some projections and then qualifying, like it's not going to, the number is not going to exactly be exactly because like in the NFL injuries are really what the only like real variable that you get week to week sure, over someone's sure. pricing. I would say like with the pricing coming out, like with so much unknown until Saturday, 
with Formula One, there might still even be a, just a couple of inefficiencies here and there just based on you don't know how the cars are going to qualify. Yeah, no, I think there'll be huge inefficiencies because, you know, teams will just, they'll be surprise, good and bad qualifying almost every week, um, which will give us some great DFS um you know opportunities when, when those happen that's where you know the 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 free running back in nfl the four thousand dollar running back that's where we have to make these huge ownership decisions um and and we'll talk a little bit more about what we think will change and, and what sh should stay the same a little bit at the end um let's kind of talk about the results that we saw from the race um i'll, I'll go through a quick a, a couple quick data points um that that i noticed uh from there, there was one big contest on DraftKings. It was uh, the $150,000 guarantee. There was a little under 12,000 entries. It was a $15 buy-in, 150 max. Um, so that was the biggest contest they offered. So I looked at all the top 1% teams, the, the best finish. And there was a ton of dupes, unfortunately. Again, we'll, we'll get to uh, what, what I think could and we'll, we'll solve that soon. But similar to what we thought, and, and this has a lot to do with, you know, when I think all season, assuming salaries don't go crazy, if the top team win, teams win, we're going to see this result a lot. And, and don't take these data points, um, you know, as gospel. Take them with a grain of salt. So much is going to change after we have more data points on on what this data looks like. But let's just go over it quickly. We saw ninety three percent of top one percent teams stack their cap with their constructor. That's what we thought was going to happen. Eighty five percent of teams only stacked had one. Uh, stack and, and that was usually again the captain and constructor only 12% of what top 1% uh, teams had two teammates in the same lineup again losing that five points um, for the team win is is going to be pretty expensive um, we saw the chalk hit very heavy on Ferrari uh, with those co expensive constructor captain stacks um, if Max and Sergio finish the race, it's only going to exacerbate that number. We're going to see, we would have seen even uh, probably, it might've been 99% of top 1% teams finish with uh, expensive captain constructure. Um, only three lineups out of the, in the top 1% to the top 120 out of, you know, almost 12K lineups paid down at the captain. Three out of 120. It just was, you weren't, there wasn't enough upside if you're paying down. Um, you, you really needed those winner points at your multiplier position to, to um to to be able to to top the field and luckily i was in that that top of the field in one of those um but but it didn't have um it, we'll get to the what first place did um any reaction to like you know the stacks that we thought were going to work yeah i mean i think that it kind of makes it just makes all the sense in the world with how it paid out and how it excuse me how it played out like it, it i i i think we ultimately settled on what was going to be the best lineup and Again, the pre Verstappen car failure was. I don't think we were, I don't think we cracked any kind of secret code. I think we discovered an inefficiency in the way that there was pricing. And there were certain, like Magnuson had been doing better than Schumacher, although that one was a little bit dicier because Schumacher had done okay. But Botas against a rookie teammate in his first race seemed pretty easy. And then there was one other that I'm just completely blanking on right now that seemed. Uh, in that lower was oh, it Albon? Williams. Was it Albon? Yes, Alex Albon. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Latifi, nice kid. Like just doesn't seem like he's ever going to be more than like an 18, 19, 20th place driver on any given weekend. You know, Albon's had his ups and downs, but like was a pretty decent driver when he was with Red Bull. So those three guys were priced reasonably that you could do certain stacks. So it's not like we cracked any kind of certain code with it. Like, I don't think we discovered anything that a lot of other people couldn't if they didn't think it through. And that's where it's going to be interesting to see, like, what adjustments 
they make. Now, as a as someone who would like to be able to win and like their life to be easier, I hope they don't fix some of these inefficiencies. But I think if they really want to make it really challenging, I think you have to make you have to really penalize someone for stacking captain and constructor of the top teams. Yeah, and, and we have we'll have um, quite a few ideas on that when we when we close out because I, I think I have a, a few ideas and and I, I, again I think DraftKings is usually pretty good about making these adjustments. Um, you, you mentioned um, those cheap drivers and Max and Leclerc. So as it played out, um, I don't know if it's surprising because it did seem so obvious to us and, and we don't have like a huge F one background, but but the field did a pretty good job of of understanding how um at least this first race with the salaries coming out a week early um should be structured so we saw uh max verstappen and charles leclerc combined for 60 percent of the captain spots which is huge you know that that, that number um can only add up to 100 percent um so they were both also in over 60 percent of lineups overall uh, Leclerc was in over 70% of lineups. We saw Ferrari and Red Bull. They combined for 84% of the constructor ownership, which is a insane number. Ferrari was massively underpriced. So that actually makes sense. Um, having those guys be so popular really forced lineups to have a high lower stars and scrubs approach. So we saw, um, Val, uh, Valtteri Bottas was over 60% ownership. We saw Albon have over 25%. Um, both of the Haas guys had had, had really high ownership. Uh, so th they were. Um, what we thought was going to be obvious was obvious. Um, so that's a good thing in terms of like it, if you're new to the sport and, and these inefficiencies stay at least for a couple weeks, um, it should be relatively easy to get in there, build a competitive lineup. Um, but if it's easy for, for everybody it's going to be hard to gain an edge on the field. Um, uh, I, I think there, there definitely will be some edges. I mean, we saw almost 12% of lineups um, rostered Lando at like almost $9,000, which was just like, even if you get five points from, from him and he beats um, he beats Ricardo, paying that much for just the five was just, uh, it was just there they were priced where McLaren was just such an easy phase. So, you know, if 15% of the field is making those types of errors, we're going to still have edges. Um, but, but ownership was, I think as sharp as that could have been for a first ever sport, first ever DFS, um, any reaction to ownership? I mean, I mean, it all makes sense. And, and again, I think the Norris thing was people on the right track, but not thinking it through entirely. It's like if you if you knew what we knew going in and that Ricardo had COVID and hadn't really had a chance to drive this car on this track yet, it seemed like Norris would have been a pretty easy shoe in to beat him. And then obviously we talked about earlier that didn't happen. So I get it, but it, you, you just come down to like the, the financial value of it. And like you said, like that's probably where people assume that's probably where who like less sharp followers of the sport probably were like, oh, McLaren's been good. Maybe they saw something about Ricardo not being quite up to par yet, and they did. They made those decisions, and so yeah. I mean, I think that that makes sense. I think everything else really made sense, and like we talked about, it just kind of seemed like the the code was easily crackable this week, and I'm sure that'll change. And I think you know, I think the thing in my respect that I kind of overthought this race was new car, first race with the new car 
will there be a little bit more kind of chaos than normal? And it didn't end up being the case at all. And this is just not a track where there's a lot of, even when there was more overtaking, it's not a track where you see guys wreck. It is one of the safest tracks on course. So like sticking to your plan was always the way to go here. And, you know, it ends up being a bad beat when you end up with the, with what seems to be the right path and the Red Bulls end up, not performing and the other thing um that just kind of comes back in my head that i was thinking about that i did want to mention and and i'm probably gonna do a little bit of research on this this week is what botas's average qualifying position was when he was at mercedes because the best lineups had all had russell in them this week and that's because russell started ninth and finished fourth so So that that's a that's a perfect segue to to i think one thing um that uh, I mean, again, it's, you know, it's the first time we've ever had DFS, so there's going to be some blind spots. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Um, bef- to your point, like it, it could end up being a good thing that this race played out so predictably and, and, and the, the chalk hit, because it, it could just really cause people to, to, um, not factor in some of the variance that is going to be coming up at some of these more dangerous tracks or, or when weather gets involved. Um, but one thing with piggybacking off what you just said about George Russell was in the winning lineup. So we were right in that you should be chasing those teammates beats drivers because if you you I, I think you're going to need to for the most part sweep that or or at least have four drivers so those top one percent um teams in, in that big tournament on average they had 4.1 drivers in the top 10 so four out of five on average they had 4.4 drivers beat their teammates so they they you know usually accrued 25 points of beating their teammate which is a lot um you know that that's um 20 percent of the winning score i think the winning score is 173 um the very interesting thing is that the winning lineup which was duped it had george russell and esteban ocon over the lewis hamilton alexander albon combination uh even though george russell didn't beat lewis hamilton and didn't get the plus five he having him and Ocon in the top 10 was more valuable, even though it was, even though Ocon was more expensive than Albon, that combination with the top 10 points with Russell finishing points, I think it's 18 for fourth place. Um, that's more valuable than just getting Albon's cheap plus five and getting Hamilton's podium. So that's a really interesting nuance to think about, um, that you might not have to sweep your drivers beating their teammates, but if you give that up, you need to be chasing top tens. Like you need to be going with like a, a middling salary. And we talked about this right after the race. We think these opportunities are going to come from um, the second driver on good teams. They can be really good candidates to pay middle tier salary instead of going for um, like a high low strategy. So this week's uh, example was paying up for Lewis Hamilton, playing down for Alexander Albon. That was a very popular combination. Instead, Russell and Esteban at mid salaries was actually a better combo because they both got you top tens and Russell got that fourth place points. Um, so that's something really interesting to think about moving forward, like a very interesting lineup building nuance that, that I think um, I didn't think about before. And I, I'm glad I saw it in week one. Yeah. But, but then again, like you talk about like, are you going to see more results like this? Because right. like Russell, I think Russell ends up with 16 points of my math, right? 12 for fourth place one for finishing as a classified driver and then three points for a five point or five place grid position improvement. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, so that gets him to 16 where if he finishes sixth, that's eight and one and then two. So he, he gets an extra five points, 
basically because of what happened at the end of that race. And that like, that's the five points that you get for a driver who finishes outside the points, but beats their teammate. Yep. And, and I think it's just, it'll be, um, Again, it's not like we're not going to have any hard and fast rules, especially this early. I think it'll be an interesting thing to think about uh, when we're making like that that last combo decision. Um, I, I one once like the the candidates for this are going to be like if if Sergio Perez qualifies ninth or something like that. That's when you're really going to have that um, that decision. You know, if if Sergio qualifies third, Max qualifies first. Like. Sergio just doesn't have enough upside in terms of moving up the grid to, 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 you know, get those five points. So that will be, that will be the, the, the spot where, um, I think it'll be really fun. And, and we'll talk about that a lot on the Saturday pods when, when we, um, discuss strategy, but something to think about, um, before we, we kind of get out of here with our thoughts on what should and shouldn't change. Did anything stand out to you from, um, a, a betting thing? I know you said there wasn't a ton of action that, that you were looking for, but just did anything, um, stand out, whether it be, bets that were available, like variance between the sports books or just anything that you're going to change going into next week? Um, I, not really. Like, obviously, if you jumped on, if you really bought into the Ferrari hype early, there was a lot of money to be made. Um, I don't know what his price to win the race this weekend was. It was, I know Leclerc was like plus 500 or plus 550 or five to one or five and a half to one uh, early in the week before practice and qualifying. I know that as of, February, like late February, he was 10 to one to win the championship. And now he's the favorite. So it's going to be one of those things you brought it up very briefly earlier. And it's just going to be one of those things where it's like setting aside some kind of stack to just bet on Lewis Hamilton until he ends up back to where he should be. And he's, you know, even money or I don't know that he's going to ever be minus money. Like that's the fun thing this year is like, you're probably going to be able, if Mercedes, if and when Mercedes gets back to where they should be, you're now going to potentially have three drivers and maybe uh, four because, you know, Carlos, we, we, everyone loves Leclerc and I, I'm a, I like Charles Leclerc a lot, but like Carlos signs beating him out last year, he had more points than Leclerc. Now the caveat to that being when they both finished in the points last year, uh, uh, Leclerc beat him 12 to three. So typically when signs beat him, it was because Leclerc didn't race well. But both guys are good drivers. They're in good cars. So maybe there's four guys in any given week uh, that can compete at that level. Uh, I would like to see, I think like driver matchups are where I want to see these markets go because it just doesn't feel like offhand that a lot of these markets are going to be really easy to, to make money because you know, the guys, so you can pick like podium finish, like the, the typical things you're going to find are like driver to finish on the podium, driver to finish in the top six, driver to finish in the points. Like you might see, well, both of these cars finished. Like you, I wish I knew the price on Alfa Romeo to, to double points this weekend because you probably could have made money there. I don't know why anybody in their right mind ever would have even bet that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of thing. But like Red Bull to both in the points, you're not going to really, you're going to be paying a lot of juice on that because there's no value whatsoever because those cars are supposed to do that. So I don't, I just, to me, it's going to be really hard for the books to expand their offerings. Cause it's just, it's, they just don't have as much information and they probably just don't have, I, I just don't know how much of a, at least in the United States, I just still don't know how, how blossoming that market is compared to everything else. I, I think it's good for them that by and large, the season, a lot of the season takes place when football is not going on. 
But I think, like you talked about it with with DFS, I think it's going to be the same thing with golf. I think when, once football season ends, I think you're going to see a lot of those sharp betters and DFS players going over to golf. So I don't know that Formula One is going to ever really have that huge market. So, yeah, I would like to see more offerings and more fun things out there to bet. But I think the the American books, at least, are going to take it kind of slow. Uh, you can find, like, looking at the, the odds for this week, uh, FanDuel's got some, like, sharper prices by a couple of cents than DraftKings right now. Uh, ben MGM actually had uh, Verstappen and Leclerc co-favorites, and you can get Leclerc at plus 140 at Bet MGM right now, and it's a little bit, it's not quite as good odds elsewhere. So if you're if you're buying the Ferrari hype, like I would head over there and you know, as it is with anything, like I tend to I tend to just kind of to stick with a couple of legal ones that I just always bet. But if you really want to beat these games, just you got a price shop. You got to go see where you can find the value, and some books are gonna have better odds than others. But uh generally speaking, it's it's you're not gonna find a ton of variance. It's gonna be a few cents here and there, but like over the course of the season, that will add up. Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't have a, a U.S. facing betting in California yet, but I mean, you know, we're, we're in the chat and we're talking and, and, you know, um, I, I think early week is going to be, is really important for, for formula one. Um, you know, last week we saw, I, I think at one point Max got all the way up to plus 185. Um, he qualified second and, and still the closing line had him at plus 115 as the favorite. So you're going to get, um, th- that's how I think you're going to get most of your value in betting is betting early in the week. You know, if you're betting after qualifying, you're, you're losing, there's not going to be any value anywhere. Um, obviously it's, I mean, it'll be here and there, but, um, the, the big value is going to, going to dry up really, really fast on there. Um, Looking just at the state of, and this is probably going to be mostly DFS because that's what can change the most. Um, what do you think can or should change going forward? I, it, they've got to get the pricing right. I think, and I think like we talked about it a little bit earlier, I really truly believe to add some variance to this and to make it really challenging, you have to basically put people to a decision over st- like, are you going to take Charles Leclerc or are you going to take Ferrari? Because you, you can't just keep it that way. Or even so, like, you have to kind of sh- steepen the prices. And another thing we didn't really talk about is, like, the constructor is super important. Like, it's more, it's, I'm in what, more important than getting the captain right? Because, what, Ferrari had 61 points, I think, yesterday. Yep, yep, and I think, 61. I, think yeah, the, I think Mercedes was like 30 something. Like, that's a huge edge there so they're gonna have to kind of figure things out to the point where you can't just look at it and say oh well if i pick take the two guys we're going to finish first and one of the constructors that should finish first or second and then three guys that are just going to beat their teammates like basically for them to make it that way they have to set it up to a point where it has they have to get the pricing to the point where if you're going to take leclerc and verstappen and one of their constructors you're going to have to take nicholas latini yeah, I, I think um, that is the most obvious change that we need, and hopefully DraftKings will uh, change. the. I think the salary floor is too low and the salary ceiling was too low. It was just too easy to, to, to get those guys. Now, it, the, the one thing that I know that they'll adjust is properly pricing the middle. Uh, like the, the, the Alfa Romeos, the Haas, um, they're going to be popular properly priced, which is going to make decisions much harder um, than they were this week. If they, if they really, they, they really need to raise the ceiling price of those top teams. I will say that if, and, and I'm going to say when, because I do think they will, Mercedes gets it together. That is going to help because when you have three constructors and three drivers, instead of two, it, you're, you're going to have to leave one out. Right? So the decisions will get harder. Um, 
and, and having the the floor teams actually be the worst the worst drivers um, will help. So so I think that will help uh, with the dupe problem we saw in in week one. It, it was it was rampant, and I wasn't surprised. I mean I mean um, I, I think we're gonna have to work really hard on thinking through things, on taking some big risks to be unique, even when they do um, change those things. But we don't like I I I would just say we're gonna see a lot change in terms of what actually wins, whether it be lineup construction um, or, or how many points are scored. Like don't take the first race as that is how you need to build a winning lineup. Uh, it's going like, it's rare to see a team finish one, two. And, and that's why we saw so many constructor points. Like Max and Sergio aren't going to both miss the races every single week. Um, you know, Max was was he was challenging for the lead at the end of that race. They were going back and forth before he started before he started losing power. Um, if Lewis gets in the mix, you know, you're you're going to see a lot of of mixed podiums with three different teams up there. There's going to to be incidents when we get to these harder uh, not not harder but um, more higher incident tracks when when weather starts uh, playing um, playing a factor these things are going to mix it up like the the chalk even with red bull not finishing the chalk still just hit at such a a high uh clip this week so i would say that all these little data points and track nuances um are really going to change how we should be um should should be building and we should just take this first week um you know as a learning experience but also as something that um we're really trying to build on because Again, these are brand new cars that have never been driven in races. It's been one race. Not going to be a lot of shakeup at the top. There could still be a lot of shakeup in who's the fourth best team and who's the sixth best team right now, um, which can really uh, you know, change things over how we're perceiving salaries and whatnot. So I, I would just say um, you know, stay tuned to that. Um, what, what, what do you think is a takeaway from week one that we can rely on Maybe no, maybe not week in and week out, but but that seems like something that you're going to be paying attention to all season. I mean, I, I think that I don't think Ferrari was a one week wonder. I think Mercedes will catch up, but I do think that they're going to be good all year, and that's going to make things interesting. I do think we're going to need a few more weeks to kind of see how everything else after those top three teams shakes out. But I, to me, I think that we now have a third team that you have, like, and they're the dominant one for now, and they may that may not stay that way, but they're a team that they're going to have to that you're going to have to kind of factor in. Uh, I think Williams is Williams, like, you, like it's the top and the bottom. Like Ferrari looks like they're legit. Williams looks like it's going to be really tough to justify uh, playing those guys. Uh, even Albon, there might be some value at some point, but I think you're going to get to a point where you're going to be put to the test, where you might have to play. Latifi and even that is not necessarily like those cars are just not good. Like there's just such a, a thing where uh that uh that it's just like the, the cars could go badly on the track and could just could have a bad weekend because it's just a constructor that has struggled. I think the other thing is I think we'll see more exciting races, but I just would say to like not underestimate the quality of these drivers. And like even though that they are more capable of passing. I don't know that you're going to see necessarily chaos like we've seen in NASCAR so far this season in a lot of these races. They're still really good drivers. So I don't think like with a few exceptions, like this weekend, it's going to be interesting because the, the race, it's a like the new track in Saudi Arabia last year. The race was a bit of a mess. They've made some changes there. And we've got like a couple of new tracks this year. So, 
maybe you'll see some things, but by and large, man, these guys are so good at what they do that I think really banking on chaos isn't something that I would expect, even as we're kind of seeing a little bit uh, uh, uncertainty with where we are and this weekend. I think you might see a little bit different. Of, uh, you're going to see a different kind of race than we saw this weekend. It's a completely different kind of style of track, and it's a lot more dangerous. And they, you know, but still, it's probably going to be the same guys who are in the same spot, and it's going to be kind of trying to find that value once those prices come out. Yeah, and and if it does end up being a being a three team race, um, you know, one, one thing that we saw last season was that um, you know Max was super aggressive with Lewis, and, and you know Lewis was, was aggressive with, with Max, but you know he he downplays it like he's not. Um, but they could afford to do that to each other because if they collided there, no one's behind them. No one's catching them anyway. So they were able to be super aggressive with each other. If it's a three team race and, and Ferrari, well, Ferrari's definitely gonna be in the mix, but if Mercedes gets back in the mix, you're not going to be able to, 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 you know, push out whatever driver you're battling with, because if, if Max pushes Leclerc and then all of a sudden Lewis gets all the points, that's super detrimental to the team. So they're going to not like the, if it's not a two man or a two team race, they're going to have to be a little more cautious because whoever's behind them is going to be able to gain a ton of ground. So, so they're, they're really going to have to be careful with that this year. Um, so yeah, so a, that'll be interesting. That's a really good point. And you think about like you end up with, I got to bring up the standings again. You bring up with Hamilton getting 15 and Russell getting 12. So 27 points for Mercedes and none for Red Bull is an absolute disaster for Red Bull, just in, in, in the grand scheme of racing, like not DFS or betting or anything like that. And that's a, like a really good point. Like Red Bull's got to get some results. Now that's not going to stop like Max Verstappen's a lunatic. So it's not going to really stop him necessarily, but like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in some of these races. Are you, do you, do you really go for it? Do you kind of manage? Do you you pull back because Verstappen and it's like that's the other element of this that we don't know is like Lewis Hamilton is the greatest driver of all time. Maybe like uh, Verstappen just won a championship. Charles Leclerc has never been close. So like, what happens to him as the season progresses and he's in a shirt in a clear title fight? Does he have the nerve to not make the mistakes? And then that like if he finishes on the, if he gets the pole in one race in a, in a race, but then doesn't make, and then he makes a mistake at some point, you now have two teams chasing him down. It's just, it's a fascinating thing to think with three teams now, instead of the two, then that's going to all, and it all has a trickle down effect to like your, your strategy for all of this stuff, but you're still probably at the end of the day, your best bet is probably going to be having those teams and those guys heavily featured in your lineups and then trying to find the value elsewhere. Yeah, um, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to see. Like I think, I think over the first five after four or five races, uh, you know, we'll have a really good idea. But I think these next three or four weeks, it's gonna be really exciting because I think people are are still gonna make some really big errors because it is such a new sport and so many things I think will change over the next few races. So it's gonna be really fun to to keep coming up and formulating our strategy um, with the world. You, you know, if you haven't started playing with yet, you're not behind the eight ball because nobody has ever played more than one day of of. F1 DFS. So uh, if you're interested, it, there's no better time to get into um, a newer sport. Um, we're going to, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're going to do these all the time outside of myself and Dan. Um, we also have Jennifer Akins who, who runs uh, the redraft uh, side of things over at four for four and Sam Hoppin, who helps with some of our, um, our data stuff for, for both Betsperts and four for four. They're going to be rotating in uh, hosting these pods. So 
Mondays after the races, we'll be doing recaps like this one. Saturday, uh, after qualifying, uh, any two of, of the four we just mentioned, we'll be doing strategy shows. And and this one, um, you know, this was really long because we gave you guys like a 25-minute intro getting into to everything. Uh, you know, going forward, hopefully we'll keep these like in the 30 to 40-minute range, uh, you know, super quick and digestible. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to it. And, and if anybody is listening and interested in some like those DFS data points, ownership and stuff, I'll be tracking those all year. So I'll probably start, you know, tweeting them out a bit once we we have a, a few more data points. Uh, so so stay tuned. It's it's going to be really fun. Um, check out the four for four betting plan. Get access to all of our um, content and tools. Um, obviously, a ton going on with NFL. Um, whether it be getting into best ball, um, getting some of those those bets for for college basketball, for for golf, for uh, NFL draft futures. Um, we got all of that going on uh, over at four for four. Keep an eye out. Bet's Burt's Golf. Uh, Masters is coming up in a couple of weeks. There's a really big launch coming up with Betsperts over there. And keep an eye out for the Betsperts bundle. Uh, we got something in the works. We're, we're going to be able to get you access to all of the Betsperts property for, for one price. So i uh, not going to give all the details on that, but just uh, keep an eye out because I think people are going to be really, really happy. Um, with that, make sure you're following us. Uh, four for four. Is that four for four football? Betsperts golf. Is that Betsperts golf? Dan, is that really Dan Weiner? I'm at TJ Hernandez. Talk to you guys on Saturday.